Hello, this is Eric Boyce, CEO and Chief Investment Officer for BK Wealth Consulting, and welcome to Market Minutes for August 2nd of 2021. Uh, in the news you can use this week, I want to talk about several things that happened last week. Obviously, we had a Federal Reserve Open Market Committee meeting. Uh, we had a continued uh, supply of earnings results from S&P 500 and other publicly traded companies. Uh, and we had some news out of China, and uh, we've also had a rise in the Delta variant. So uh, very noteworthy and newsworthy uh, items uh, there. And in fact, the Delta variant is something that has kind of really almost taken center stage, uh, but it hasn't influenced the market that much. I mean, we had one day where it was announced that Japan was going to impose stricter restrictions on the Olympics related to the rise in the Delta variant cases over there. But other than that, it's we've kind of plowed through it. So uh, let's kind of hit the data first, and then we'll talk about the news you can use for the week uh, just passed. Uh, so uh, for the week, uh, we had in the uh, markets the Dow was uh, slightly off, about four-tenths of a percent. The S&P 500 also off four-tenths of a percent. NASDAQ was down 1.1%, uh, but uh, even as the, you know, the markets kind of ended on kind of a weak note, uh, they were uh, up for the sixth consecutive month, uh, which is the longest streak that we've seen since September of 2018. Uh, and just a real quick caveat there that we tend to get a little bit weak in the market at this time of the year, uh, August, September, uh, a little bit, uh, just, you know, for various reasons, uh, Volume tends to be a little bit lighter, and markets tend to be a little bit weaker. But, uh, but we had uh, it was a particularly bad week for technology stocks, uh, if it were. Uh, we had uh, again a lot of earnings reports. Amazon uh, was down fairly strong. Uh, Facebook, Apple, Microsoft all down. Google was slightly uh, up, but uh, you know just kind of a mixed bag. And if we look at sector performance overall year to date uh, in the S and P five hundred. Uh, you know, we see that the real leaders uh, in, in the in the index are energy, financials, uh, and communication services, and then technology is still there, about eighteen percent. Uh, obviously, you know, we're uh, it's uh, it's a contributor. Uh, if we look at uh, year to date in the S P five hundred, we're up seventeen percent. Uh, Dow's up fourteen percent. Nasdaq's up thirteen point, call it nine percent. Russell 2000 is up 12.3, but it's off 3.7% for the month during a month in which the S&P was actually up 2.3%. So we've seen a real divergence in small caps versus large caps. Uh, and we've seen a little bit of a backseat perhaps uh, on the cyclical trade uh, that we saw earlier this year. Now, if we kind of go across the uh, uh, the pond, if you will, the, the world index is up 14% still pretty strong. Uh, had a reasonable uh, month of July. Uh, Europe is up 12. And then if you get down the line, really everything's still mostly positive except for Asia uh, and, uh, and emerging markets, uh, both of which are down year to date now after having ha posted a really uh, ugly uh, July. And, and a lot of that it comes from China, which has had a crackdown on its technology stocks, it seems to be asserting a lot of uh, a lot of control, uh, central party control on uh, a lot of its businesses, particularly the tech sector uh, and uh, educational sector, the for-profit uh, techno or excuse me, for-profit education stocks uh, related to 
uh, or at least domicile in China, uh, were basically, uh, you know, tossed by, uh, to the side. And so we've seen trillions of dollars erode uh, that were tied to Chinese public equities. Um, but so uh, anyway, so we had some cautious forward guidance from Amazon. Uh, again, supply constraints continue to be uh, a buzzword in there. Uh, availability of certain products in the supply chain. For other companies that are not Amazon were, were certainly things that I heard. Uh, and uh, let's see. So and we'll talk about the earnings growth rate. Now we're you know, really on track for some strong, strong uh, earnings. Uh, and we'll talk about that for a second. But in fixed income, uh, you, uh, the U.S. Uh, 10-year Treasury ended Friday at uh, 1.2%. Uh, that's down 25 basis points for July. And uh, we did have a federal open market meeting, uh, committee meeting uh, this week, and really Chairman Powell's press conference was pretty dovish. It said that there's really absolutely no sense of panic about recent inflation data, and the Fed was still some way away, quote unquote, from starting to taper. And we do think that the tapering is going to happen next year. And, and, and what does that mean? That really just means that the Fed is going to begin to curtail purchasing assets in the open market uh, as a way of injecting liquidity into the market, you know, and, and they, they did that. They, obviously, they did that uh, following the global financial crisis to some mixed success. Uh, it didn't really, uh, it, it, you know, it, it inflated asset prices. It didn't really do much to inflate necessarily inflation per se, but in this case, uh, they did it as an emergency response when we had the uh, shutdown Due to the pandemic, and now you know it's really being utilized as a mechanism to, you know, uh, to, to keep uh, credit very easy. And so I think the time is certainly drawing near where uh, that liquidity injection needs to taper, and the economy really needs to begin to kind of, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, develop its sea legs, if you will. So um, anyway, so interesting dynamics in the uh, treasury markets. The thirty-year treasury. Uh, which is down, uh, it's up uh, 25 basis points for the year. A 30-year Treasury closed uh, at 1.9%. Uh, so it's below 2%, uh, which is a pretty dramatic uh, change. It's down 19 basis points for the month, uh, just as the 10-year Treasury is down 25 basis points for the month. And high yield uh, was actually up. So we had a little bit of a, a credit spread widening in high yield bonds, but overall, uh, high yield uh, bonds uh, in terms of return are up four percent this year, uh, against um, a modest decline for the Barclays U.S. Aggregate Bond Index. Um, so, and we look at commodities. Uh, crude prices were up to nearly seventy-four dollars a barrel, which is up about two and a half to two point six percent over the last week, uh, despite COVID and despite. You know, some of the maybe the latent fears, but uh, stockpiles of crude continue to fall. They're down for the ninth time in 10 weeks. Uh, and so we've got tighter supplies that, and we have reasonable demand, uh, as we see in our, um, in our high frequency data, the demand for um, uh, gasoline, it still remains pretty, pretty strong. And uh, so anyway, so crude markets are up uh, fairly strong. So gold was up about six-tenths of a percent, and it's really bounced off its June lows because the 10-year real treasury rate, you know, again, inflation's picked up, 
10-year Treasury rates have gone down, so the real yield has gone really negative, and it's an all-time low of negative 1.65 right now, and so that's helped to propel gold, which is kind of consolidated now. It's about $1,813, excuse me, $1,813, but we still have real strong energy and industrial metal prices, so the commodity basket is is at basically a six to seven year high. So, but when you think about economic data, uh, the data was pretty, pretty positive uh, overall. Uh, so we'll talk about GDP in a second, but it was up uh, 6.5% annualized in the second quarter. That was below expectations. Uh, we'll talk about that. Households really continue to be strong. Consumption is very influential in, in the economic data right now. Uh, and um, so inventories were down. Uh, and uh, a lot of that had to do with the automotive industry, which is facing a lot of choke points right now. Um, and uh, consumer confidence uh, rose unexpectedly in July. Uh, that, was, that was pretty interesting. Uh, and new home sales continue to be uh, a little soft, and that really has a lot to do with uh, uh, the availability uh, of, uh, uh, of uh, construction, availability of crews, uh, things like that. Uh, so, so let's kind of talk about the key takeaways, and then we'll jump into this GDP figure uh, here. So GDP was up at 6.5% annualized, a little bit disappointed, uh, but final sales to domestic purchasers were up almost 10%, uh, which really offset a huge inventory drawdown. Inventories usually contribute a little bit to, to overall economic growth, and they were really down. And if you have a chance to watch the charts of the week, you'll see several charts related to inventory that are just falling off of a cliff. Uh, it's amazing how low inventories are, uh, particularly relative to final sales. Uh, so I do think what's really strong in the quarters ahead is an inventory rebuild that's going to have to take place because we've seen such strong demand from consumers uh, and it, the, the demand is picked up faster than the production mechanism can keep up with. And so as a result, uh, we've had a lot of uh, uh, suppliers that have reduced their inventory levels. And so it was really a negative for economic growth this quarter, even though the overall number was actually pretty good, but it would have been a lot higher had it not been for the inventory side. So, um, so with that report, real GDP now is eight tenths uh, larger uh, this is the actual number. So overall economic output is actually larger now than it was prior to COVID. Uh, and that, that may sound like a good thing, and it is. We've recovered the lost, uh, the, you know, the lost growth that we had. But uh, having said that, if we didn't have the pandemic and the shutdowns, et cetera, uh, our GDP, our economic uh, output would be a lot higher than it is today. Uh, but having said that, you know, I think the overall data in this is all pretty strong. Nominal GDP is not only you know, basically at a record high, but it's also up 3.1% annualized since late 2019. So point to point, you know, we've got uh, a growth rate that's actually not that uh, unacceptable uh, and, quite, uh, and quite acceptable as a matter of fact. Um, so um, so that's, that's that on the... Um, uh, on the uh, GDP. So, I mean, we've got, 
you know, GDP, you know, despite the headwinds in production that I mentioned and construction due to, you know, higher materials costs, supply chain bottlenecks. Um, and then I, I mentioned the increase in personal consumption, which, uh, well, I didn't actually, but the, the in, personal consumption was up 11.8%, which is really strong, uh, notable contribution from food services and lodging and hospitality. Uh, and then offsetting that were private inventory investment, which I've talked about, and residential fixed investment, and also federal spending was a, uh, a little bit uh, lower. Uh, but uh, so let's see. So we talked about that um, a global leading economic ind indicator has just rolled over. Uh, not to worry, though, uh, growth momentum is, uh, is going to slow, meaning you know, growth rates are going to slow, but overall growth is not going away. Uh, probably will remain fairly strong for some time. Uh, time. Timeline for tapering following the Fed meeting, as I mentioned, probably going to start early next year. Uh, and I don't see uh, interest rate hikes uh, in the offing anytime soon. Uh, and then uh, on the uh, S&P 500, let's talk about earnings. So 90% of the companies that have reported have beat earnings estimates and 85 have beat revenue estimates. And, you know, I think earnings growth rates will peak this quarter. Again, not to worry because, you know, the cycle can continue long into the into the future, even though we've seen these huge growth rates. Uh, but just understand that, you know, these growth rates are being compared with last second quarter, which, as we know, was terrible. So, uh, but, but listening to these reports, basically, you know, you heard managements talk about strong demand. Uh, they're they're uh, putting cash to work on their balance sheet. They've got confidence in the second half and really haven't focused a lot on COVID, uh, which is interesting. And But they do see inflation picking up and supply chain pressures kind of persisting. In fact, Qualcomm, I think, even said uh, that they uh, see the chip shortage, you know, on their end could drag into 2022, which... Uh, I think, uh, you know, doesn't bode well, you know, for a lot of technology stocks. I mean, I heard Apple may not be able to meet demand for the new iPhone 13. Uh, it's going to be released next month. And so, you know, we've got component uh, deliveries that, you know, might have trouble uh, here in the coming months. Uh, but having said that, overall corporate profits have been really fantastic. Profits themselves have been about 17% above expectations. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, I, I think you know, that number uh, continues to give us a lot of comfort. And also the confidence that's being parlayed in these conference calls, I think, is, uh, is fairly strong. You know, if you look at the market, the S&P 500 hasn't had a 5% pullback since last October. It's up basically 35% since then. Uh, and we haven't seen that for a number of years. Uh, and, uh, but, you know, the multiple is about 21 and a half times forward earnings, which is about 40 to 45% above the long-term average of 15. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, and the equal weighted uh, S&P 500, remember, remember the S&P 500 is a capitalization weighted index. So the largest companies in the index by market cap have a really strong influence on the index itself. Uh, but the equal weight uh, is, is uh, multiple is only about 19 times. So again, I think there's room for stocks to maneuver here. Uh, what's interesting though, is that the dividend 
yield on the S&P 500 has fallen to 1.3%, which is uh, the, the lowest uh, level in 20 years. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, it, it, we still have less companies paying a dividend. As of uh, just a couple weeks ago, 388 companies in the 500 stock index were distributing a dividend. Uh, and at the end of 2019, 423 were. So, but what you're hearing is a lot of companies are ramping up their dividends. And so the rising dividend strategy, is, I think, is a pretty viable play uh, in the market right now. And I think I would expect to see as the economy continues to improve, albeit not at the necessarily at the growth rates that we've just now seen in these reports, uh, I still think there's a lot of maneuverability, not only in earnings, but also in, in dividend payment uh, and, and basically companies that are motivated to uh, get uh, cash back to shareholders. Uh, in interestingly enough, related to dividends, um, the all-time low, uh, we're far away from that. It was like back in August 2000, and it was just over a percent when the payout ratio for companies was about 30% of their profits. And right now, companies are paying out, the ones that are paying are paying about you know, 37, 38% of their profits out. Uh, but um, so... Uh, Expect dividends and income to shareholders to improve. Uh, let's see, you know, kind of hits and misses if we're talking about uh, talking about the uh, uh, the economy and the, and economic growth rates. So we're still, um, uh, like I said, about two and a half percent smaller in the economy than it would have been if if we had never had COVID. We still have employment levels that are almost seven million short of pre-pandemic levels. Uh, and uh, then it, it, you know, and just to get back to where we are, it took almost five trillion in fiscal stimulus and very, very loose monetary policy to help this recover. But um, you know, we still have supply bottlenecks. You know, we've still got the issue of the withdrawal, the economic stimulus, and uh, you know, and I think we'll be dealing with this Delta variant for a little while. I think we'll see cases roll over. Uh, clearly, the most acute cases the hospitalizations and the unfortunate deaths that are associated with this <clears throat> most recent spike are all almost all attributed to unvaccinated folks. Um, but <clears throat> uh, so we've got, uh, let's see, you know, industries that are still struggling to get workers back. Uh, and but we do have the cessation of the uh, federal uh, unemployment insurance uh, benefit uh, boost. So that may drive more folks back into the workforce. Uh, and, um, you know, we still have housing, which, uh, you know, the, you know, which I, I think, you know, if you look at future inflation and why I think that inflation that we're seeing now, I think to some degree may be transitory, but overall inflation is going to wind up being higher than it was before the pandemic. And I think one reason is is, is housing prices and the cost of housing and the consumer price index and, you know, the median price of, a, of an existing home uh, hit $363,000 basically nationwide last June. And house prices tend to lead rents by about 12 to 18 months. And rents are still pretty low. And I think they've got room to move higher. Uh, and, you know, but we've got a lot of dislocation in the economy, which I think it's going to be interesting to watch amidst that backdrop because we've got 15% of people in rented housing units that are behind on their rent right now. And so that could pose uh, some issues that we're going to have to pay attention to. Um, but 
let's see, uh, let's see, a bipartisan infrastructure plan, uh, maybe a little bit more likely uh, than was the case a couple weeks ago. We've got the debt ceiling, which is coming, uh, basically the ability for uh, for the federal government to issue more debt uh, to fund its operations. Um, it'll probably be more bluster than, than real issues. I think the Fed will probably have to, uh, the Treasury Department will have to uh, be a little creative in funding the government for a couple of mo months until we reach that uh, point of brinksmanship where the debt ceiling will ultimately get, uh, get increased. But um, let's see, we talked about inflation, really not much. Uh, else there to mention. And you know, back on stock markets, uh, you know, had really been driven a little bit more by defensive names and leadership is narrowing a little bit. Um, you know, we've got some uncertainties on the margin, not the least of which is the Delta variant, but really the uncertainty uh, as we move past what is kind of, like I said, kind of being termed as peak growth levels. Uh, but, uh, you know, bond market remains low. Uh, let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. you know, really not much else to say on, uh, on the, on the equity or the bond markets. Uh, I think bond market ten, tends to be a little less, uh, optimistic, optimistic, I should say on, uh, growth rates next year, uh, with rates having fallen, uh, as they have been, but, uh, these rates could move high pretty quickly if this inflation, if any element of this inflation basket proves to be less than transitory. So, we will definitely have to watch that. We are preparing as if inflation overall is going to be higher than what it was. Uh, and that's okay. Uh, again, the bottom line is the economy can still grow at slower growth rates. Uh, stock market can still expand at slower growth rates. Uh, corporate profits are intact. I think we've seen some hiccups along the global uh, uh, economic spectrum, but there still is a global expansion underway, which I think uh, provides feedstock for a lot of positivity at the margin. Uh, granted that we've got some risks, uh, and we've got some near-term potential sources of volatility, but uh, overall, I think, uh, you, know, uh, you know, the outlook, at least for the interim period, is still fairly strong. So uh, I'd say stay the course. I appreciate you spending the time with us. Uh, that's all we have for today. On behalf of my colleagues at BKA Wealth, uh, I uh, hope you have a wonderful week, a safe week, and a productive week, and I look forward to visiting with you again soon. Take care. Goodbye.